0: section 2 of a popular history of france from the earliest times volume 5 this librivox recording is in the public domain a popular history of france from the earliest times volume 5 by françois guizot translated by robert black chapter 35 henry the 4th protestant king 1589 to 1593 part 2 the action began about 10 o'clock the fog was still so thick that there was no seeing one another at ten paces the ardour on both sides was extreme and during nearly three hours victory seemed to twice shift her colours henry at one time found himself entangled amongst some squadrons so disorganised that he shouted courage gentlemen pray courage can't we find fifty gentlemen willing to die with their king at this moment chatillon issuing from dieppe with five hundred picked men arrived on the field of battle the king dismounted to fight at his side in the trenches and then for a quarter of an hour there was a furious combat man to man at last when things were in this desperate state says sully the fog which had been very thick all the morning dropped down suddenly and the cannon of the castle of Arques, getting sight of the enemy's army a volley of four pieces was fired which made four beautiful lanes in their squadrons and battalions That pulled them up quite short, and three or four volleys in succession, which produced marvellous effects, made them waver, and little by little retire all of them behind the turn of the valley, out of cannon-shot, and finally to their quarters. Mayenne had the retreat sounded. Henry, master of the field, gave chase for a while to the fugitives, and then returned to Arques to thank God for his victory mayenne struck his camp and took the road towards amiens to pick up a spanish corps which he was expecting from the low countries for six months from september fifteen eighty nine to march fifteen ninety the war continued without any striking or important events henry the fourth tried to stop it after his success at Arques. he sent word to the duke of mayenne by his prisoner bellin whom he had sent away free on parole quote, that he desired peace and so earnestly that without regarding his dignity or his victory he made him these advances not that he had any fear of him but because of the pity he felt for his kingdom's sufferings Mayenne, who lay beneath the double yoke of his party's passions and his own ambitious projects, rejected the king's overtures or allowed them to fall through. And on the 21st of October, 1589, Henry, setting out with his army from Dieppe, moved rapidly on Paris, in order to effect a strategic surprise, whilst Mayenne was rejecting at Amiens his Pacific inclinations the king gained three marches on the leaguers and carried by assault the five faubourgs situated on the left bank of the seine he would perhaps have carried terror-stricken paris itself if the imperfect breaking up of the saint-méchant bridge on the somme had not allowed mayenne notwithstanding his tardiness to arrive at paris in time to enter with his army form a junction with the leaguers amongst the population and prevail upon the king to carry his arms elsewhither. The people of Paris, says de Tou, were extravagant enough to suppose that this prince could not escape Mayenne. Already a host of idle and credulous women had been at the pains of engaging windows which they let very dear, and which they had fitted up magnificently to see the passage of that fanciful triumph for which their mad hopes had caused them to make every preparation before the victory." henry left some of his lieutenants to carry on the war in the environs of paris and himself repaired on the twenty first of november to tours where the royalist parliament the exchequer chamber the court of taxation and all the magisterial bodies which had not felt inclined to submit to the despotism of the league lost no time in rendering him homage as the head and the representative of the national and the lawful cause he reigned and ruled to real purpose in the eight principal provinces of the north and centre ile-de-france picardie champagne Normandy, orleans touraine maine and anjou and his authority although disputed was making way in nearly all the other parts of the kingdom he made war not like a conqueror but like a king who wanted to meet with acceptance in the places which he occupied and which he would soon have to govern the inhabitants of le mans and of Alençon were able to reopen their shops on the very day on which their town fell into his hands and those of vendome the day after he watched to see that respect was paid by his soldiers even the huguenots to catholic churches and ceremonies two soldiers having made their way into le mans contrary to orders after the capitulation and having stolen a chalice were hanged on the spot though they were men of acknowledged bravery he protected carefully the bishops and all the ecclesiastics who kept aloof from political strife if minute details are required says a contemporary pamphleteer out of a hundred or a hundred and twenty archbishops or bishops existing in the realm of france not a tenth part approve of the councils of the league it was not long before henry reaped the financial fruits of his protective equity at the close of fifteen eighty nine he could count upon a regular revenue of more than two millions of crowns very insufficient no doubt for the wants of his government but much beyond the official resources of his enemies he had very soon taken his proper rank in europe the protestant powers which had been eager to recognize him england scotland the low countries the scandinavian states and reformed germany had been joined by the Republic of Venice, the most judiciously governed state at that time in Europe, but solely on the ground of political interests and views, independently of any religious question. On the accession of Henry the Fourth, his ambassador, Uro de Maïs, was received and very well treated at Venice. He was merely excluded from religious ceremonies. The Venetian people joined in the policy of their government. The portrait of the new King of France was everywhere displayed and purchased throughout Venice some venetians went so far as to take service in his army against the league the holy inquisition commenced proceedings against them for heresy the government stopped the proceedings and even says count daru had the inquisitor thrown into prison the venetian senate accredited to the court of henry the fourth the same ambassador who had been at henry the third's and on returning to tours on the twenty first of november fifteen eighty nine the king received him to an audience in state a little later on, he did more. He sent the republic, as a pledge of his friendship, his sword. The sword, he said in his letter, which he had used at the battle of Ivry. Quote, the good offices were mutual, adds M. de Daru. The Venetians lent Henry the fourth sums of money which the badness of the times rendered necessary to him, but their ambassador had orders to throw into the fire, in the king's presence, the securities for the loan. End quote as the government of henry the fourth went on growing in strength and extent two facts both of them natural though antagonistic were being accomplished in france and in europe the moderate catholics were beginning not as yet to make approaches towards him but to see a glimmering possibility of treating with him and obtaining from him such concessions as they considered necessary at the same time that they in their turn made to him such as he might consider sufficient for his party and himself it has already been remarked with what sagacity pope sixtus v had divined the character of henry the fourth at the very moment of condemning henry the third for making an alliance with him when henry the fourth had become king sixtus V pronounced strongly against a heretic king and maintained in opposition to him his alliance with philip the second and the league France, said he, is a good and noble kingdom, which has infinity of benefices and especially dear to us, and so we try to save her. But religion sits nearer than France to our heart. He chose for his legate in France Cardinal Gaetani, whom he knew to be agreeable to Philip II, and gave him instructions in harmony with the Spanish policy having started for his post gaetani was a long while on the road halting at lyons amongst other places as if he were in no hurry to enter upon his duties at the close of fifteen eighty nine henry the fourth king for the last five months and already victorious at Arques, appointed as his ambassador at rome francis de luxembourg duke of pinay to try and enter into official relations with the pope on the sixth of january fifteen ninety sixtus the 5th, at his reception of the cardinals announced to them this news badero ambassador of venice at rome leaned forward and whispered in his ear quote, we must pray god to inspire the king of navarre on the day when your holiness embraces him and then only the affairs of france will be adjusted humanly speaking there is no other way of bringing peace to that kingdom End quote the pope confined himself to replying that god would do all for the best and that for his own part he would wait on arriving at rome the duke of luxembourg repaired to the vatican with two and twenty carriages occupied by french gentlemen but at the palace he found the door of the pope's apartments closed the sentries doubled and the officers on duty under orders to intimate to the french the chief of the embassy accepted that they must lay aside their swords At the door of the Holy Father's closet, the Duke and three gentlemen of his train were alone allowed to enter. The indignation felt by the French was mingled with apprehensions of an ambush. Luxembourg himself could not banish a feeling of vague terror. Great was his astonishment when, on his introduction to the pontiff, the latter received him with demonstrations of affection, asked him news of his journey, said he would have liked to give him quarters in the palace, made him sit down a distinction reserved for the ambassadors of kings and lastly listened patiently to the french envoy's long recital in fact the receptions intra et extra muros bore very little resemblance one to the other but the difference between them corresponded pretty faithfully with the position of sixtus v half engaged to the league by gaetani's commission and to philip II by the steps he had recently taken and already regretting that he was so far gone in the direction of spain Sixtus V by Baron Ubner, late ambassador of Austria at Paris and at Rome, pages two hundred eighty to two hundred eighty two. Unhappily, Sixtus V died on the twenty seventh of August, fifteen ninety, before having modified to any real purpose his bearing towards the King of France and his instructions to his legate after pope urban the eighth's apparition of thirteen days duration gregory the fourteenth was elected pope on the fifth of december fifteen ninety and instead of a head of the church able enough and courageous enough to comprehend and practise a policy european and italian as well as catholic in its scope there was a pope humbly devoted to the spanish policy meekly subservient to philip the second that is to the cause of religious persecution and of absolute power without regard for anything else the relations of france with the holy see at once felt the effects of this cardinal gaetani received from rome all the instructions that the most ardent leaguers could desire and he gave his approval to a resolution of the sorbonne to the effect that henry de bourbon heretic and relapsed was for excluded from the crown whether he became a catholic or not henry the fourth had convoked the states-general at tours for the month of march and had summoned to that city the archbishops and bishops to form a national council and to deliberate as to the means of restoring the king to the bosom of the catholic church the legate prohibited this council declaring beforehand the excommunication and deposition of any bishops who should be present at it the leaguer parliament of paris forbade on pain of death and confiscation any connection any correspondence with Henry de Bourbon and his partisans. A solemn procession of the League took place at Paris on the 14th of March, and a few days afterwards the Union was sworn afresh by all the municipal chiefs of the population. In view of such passionate hostility, Henry the Fourth, a stranger to any sort of illusion at the same time that he was always full of hope, saw that his successes at Arques were insufficient for him, and that if he were to occupy the throne in peace he must win more victories he recommenced the campaign by the siege of Dreux, one of the towns which it was most important for him to possess in order to put pressure on paris and cause her to feel even at a distance the perils and evils of war on wednesday the fourteenth of march fifteen ninety was fought the battle of ivry a village six leagues from Evreux, on the left bank of the Ure. starting from Dreux on the twelfth of march Poisson, Histoire du Regne d'Henri IV, page 180, the Royal Army had arrived the same day at Nonancourt, marching with the greatest regularity by divisions, and always in close order, through fearful weather, frost having succeeded rain. Moreover, it traversed a portion of the road during the shades of evening. The soldier was harassed and knocked up, but scarcely had he arrived at his destination for the day when he found large fires lighted everywhere and provisions in abundance served out with intelligent regularity to the various quarters of cavalry and infantry he soon recovered all his strength and daring the king in concert with the veteran marshal de biron had taken these prudent measures all the historians contemporary and posterior have described in great detail the battle of ivry the manoeuvres and alternations of success that distinguished it by rare good fortune we have an account of the affair written the very same evening in the camp at rosny by henry the fourth himself and at once sent off to some of his principal partisans who were absent amongst others to m de la Verune, governor of caen we will content ourselves here with the king's own words striking in their precision brevity, and freedom from any self-complacent gasconading on the narrator's part, respecting either his party or himself. Letter of King Henry IV, touching the Battle of Ivry. It hath pleased God to grant me that which I had the most desired, to have means of giving battle to mine enemies. Having firm confidence that having got so far, God would give me grace to obtain the victory, as it hath happened this very day you have heretofore heard how that after the capture of the town of honfleur i went and made them raise the siege they were laying to the town of Moulins, and i offered them battle which it seemed that they ought to accept having in numbers twice the strength that i could muster but in the hope of being able to do so with more safety they made up their minds to put it off until they had been joined by fifteen hundred lances which the duke of parma was sending them which was done a few days ago and then they spread abroad everywhere that they would force me to fight wheresoever i might be they thought to have found a very favorable opportunity in coming to encounter me at the siege i was laying before the town of Dreux. but i did not give them the trouble of coming so far for as soon as i was advertised that they had crossed the river of seine and were heading towards me i resolved to put off the siege rather than fail to go and meet them Having learned that they were six leagues from the said Dreux, I set out last Monday, the twelfth of this month, and went and took up my quarters at the town of Nonancourt, which was three leagues from them, for to cross the river there. On Tuesday, I went and took the quarters which they meant to have for themselves, and where their quartermasters had already arrived i put myself in order of battle in the morning on a very fine plain about a league from the point which they had chosen the day before and where they immediately appeared with their whole army but so far from me that i should have given them a great advantage by going so forward to seek them i contented myself with making them quit a village they had seized close by me at last night constrained us both to get into quarters which i did in the nearest villages to-day having had their position reconnoitred betimes and after it had been reported to me that they had shown themselves but even farther off than they had done yesterday i resolved to approach so near to them that there must needs be a collision and so it happened between ten and eleven in the morning i went to seek them to the very spot where they were posted and whence they never advanced a step but what they made to the charge and the battle took place wherein god was pleased to make known that his protection is always on the side of the right for in less than an hour after having spent all their collar in two or three charges which they made and supported all their cavalry began to take its departure leaving their infantry which was in large numbers seeing which their swiss had recourse to my compassion and surrendered colonels captains privates and all their flags the langsnecks and french had no time to take this resolution for they were cut to pieces twelve hundred of one and as many of the other the rest prisoners and put to the rout in the woods at the mercy of the peasants of their cavalry there are from nine hundred to a thousand killed and from four to five hundred dismounted and prisoners without counting those drowned in crossing the river hur which they crossed to ivry for to put it between them and us and who are a great number the rest of the better-mounted saved themselves by flight in very great disorder, having lost all their baggage. I did not let them be until they were close to Mont. Their white standard is in my hands, and its bearer a prisoner. Twelve or fifteen other standards of their cavalry, twice as many more of their infantry, all their artillery. Countless lords, prisoners, and of dead a great number, even of those in command whom I have not yet been able to find time to get identified but i know that amongst others count egmont who was general of all the forces that came from flanders was killed their prisoners all say that their army was about four thousand horse and from twelve to thirteen thousand foot of which i suppose not a quarter has escaped as for mine it may have been two thousand horse and eight thousand foot but of this cavalry more than six hundred horse joined me after i was in order of battle on the tuesday and wednesday nay the last troop of the noblesse from picardy brought up by sire Dumier and numbering three hundred horse came up when half an hour had already passed since the battle began it is a miraculous work of god's who was pleased first of all to give me the resolution to attack them and then the grace to be able so successfully to accomplish it wherefore to him alone is the glory and so far as any of it may by his permission belong to man it is due to the princes officers of the crown lords captains and all the noblesse who with so much ardor rushed forward and so successfully exerted themselves that their predecessors did not leave them more beautiful examples than they will leave to their posterity as i am greatly content and satisfied with them so i think that they are with me and that they have seen that i had no mind to make use of them anywhere without i had also shown them the way i am still following up the victory with my cousins the princes of conti duke of montpensier count of st paul marshal duke of aumont grand prior of france la Tremoille, sieur de la guiche and de givry and several other lords and captains my cousin marshal de biron remains with the main army awaiting my tidings which will go on i hope still prospering you shall hear more fully in my next dispatch, which shall follow this very closely, the particulars of this victory, whereof I desire to give you these few words of information, so as not to keep you longer out of the pleasure which I know that you will receive therefrom. I pray you to impart it to all my other good servants yonder, and especially to have thanks given therefore to God, whom I pray to have you in his holy keeping. Henry From the Camp at Rosny, this fourteenth day of march, fifteen ninety. End quote. End of section two.